coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we poll our listeners and are surprised to learn that they're interested in more games coming to Switch. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, Ellers, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including Atlas surveying fans about possible Switch ports. And then on Thursday, uh, we are having return guest Ryan Mogi join us to discuss some Nintendo Valentines. But in the meantime, Mark, how you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah. One of the reasons I'm doing great is this is an awesome week. Hmm. Yes. To borrow your copy of Sonic Forces. You can borrow my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. And I send you my copy of Sonic Forces. You play it for as long as you want, and then you send it back. It doesn't cost you anything. But here's something that will cost you money. Yeah. But is super exciting. Yep. It's Patrick's issue of Transformers. The comic. That's right. Available tomorrow right. in and your comic book stores. Now, and this is different than my copy of Sonic Forces in that I didn't do anything to that copy of Sonic Forces. It exists. I didn't make it. I'm not involved in it in any way. This issue of Transformers, I wrote it. It's so cool. I made it. It is tomorrow available for you to purchase. Wow. Wow. And it would mean the world to me if you would go and check it out. If you don't have a comic book store nearby or your comic book store is sold out, you can always check it out on Comixology. Um, I'm very, uh, I'm proud of it. It is a Valentine's Day issue, so robots are kissing. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's a uh, meaningful and personal story to me. And I am, I'm just very happy with how it turned out. Yes. And we're so happy about it that mm-hmm. we are giving away signed copies yes um it might take us a little bit to procure these copies depending on how quickly it sells out yes. at comic book stores but we will be sending signed copies and if you want a signed copy leave us a review all you gotta do is leave us a review and then email us and with you know like a screen grab and let us know that you did and then we will uh get our hands on a copy and i'll sign it and we'll send it over to you um and also um chris matt Andrew, David, we saw your reviews, and you're on our list, and you're going to be getting uh, signed copies, again, when we get our hands on them. Um, All right, Mark, are you ready to... Oh, no, we've got more stuff. We've got more stuff to do. Oh, right, right, right. It's been so long since we've had a debug. Right, but we do have um, a debug that we simply have to address. We forgot how to do them. Yes. Um, So debug from uh, from Jason Foland, who wrote, um, guys, thank you for the great show and keep up all the great work. I look forward to listening to all of your episodes. I just wanted to comment on you saying that Nintendo will never make a pro console because Nintendo would would never make you feel like a professional gamer by buying their system, which is uh, a, a hill that I will die on, <laughs> of course. Um, uh, Jason, of course, responds by saying, what about the pro controller? 
I mean, it's hard a, to argue. It's a devastatingly good point. <laughs> um, I still don't think they're going to call the Switch the Switch Pro at any point, but there are Pro controllers, and there have been since the Wii. So, uh, really devastatingly wonderful good point, Jason. <laughs> Sorry for misleading everyone all the time. Uh, and then we also had a question on uh, Twitter. Mark, do you have that? Yeah. So at Silvergrass Moon tweeted at us saying, hey, Patrick Ellers, or excuse me, hey, at P- Patrick underscore Ellers Thank and you. at MKE Mitchell. In general, do you prefer the Dragon Quest or Final Fantasy franchise these days? And would your answer have been different, say, 20 years ago, which is the last time I played a game from either series? Back then, I was Final Fantasy all the way. But since then, hearing about the dumpster fires of Final Fantasy MMOs, and the high praise of Dragon Quest XI-S Echoes of an Elusive Age uh, Definitive Edition. Yes. I wonder, has Dragon Quest kind of inherited or co-opted the appealing traits of earlier Final Fantasy games? Uh, that So there's a bunch of interesting questions kind of mm-hmm. wrapped up in there. Um, Mark, how would you... Uh, what is your relationship to the Final Fantasy franchise as they have gone on? So I would say modern Final Fantasy, I don't really have any relationship with. Yeah. The last one I played was 13. Yeah, and for me, the last one I played was 10, and I never finished 10. Um, I did mess around a little bit with um, 14... Uh, the on like the MMO one, um, and really quickly was reminded that I don't play MMOs mm-hmm. and uh, don't find the experience to be particularly fun. So, uh, Dragon Quest is definitely now the franchise closer to my heart. Yeah, and but I I think they try to do very different things. Like Final Fantasy reinvents itself every time. Yes, um, it is a much more forward looking franchise, whereas uh, you know the Final Fantasies that I enjoyed the most are the old ones yeah and where they shared more similarities with dragon quest and now dragon quest is continues to be a series that like relishes the past yeah and so um when i am playing a jrpg like one of these big event jrpgs that's more of what i'm looking for so my answers have definitely flipped i would say 20 years ago i was more into final fantasy uh, now I'm definitely way more into Dragon Quest. Yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting because Dragon Quest feels like uh, more of a brand to glom onto, right? That, like, saying that you like Final Fantasy, um, I, I don't even know what that means as, like, a singular idea other than, like, it's just a brand name that you trust. But you don't know what you're getting with a new Final Fantasy game. You do know what you're getting with a new Dragon Quest game. So, like... The second part of that question of, like, did Dragon Quest, uh, like, sort of co-opt everything that was good about um, early Final Fantasy? And I don't think that's really right. No, I don't think that's true. Um, I think Dragon Quest just continued to do what it did well originally. Uh, It just keeps doing that. Whereas Final Fantasy started kind of Dragon Quest-y, but also kind of not, and then evolved from there and evolved in really positive directions, right? Like, I love uh, Final Fantasies 4 and 6 and seven and nine um and you know nine is a little bit of like a uh, a regression in some ways but um you know four six and seven are all doing something new doing something different and i like the chances they take so uh you know it, and i also think that any new numbered final fantasy could be the next one that gets me back yeah for sure um so uh, it's a very good question i feel like we could talk about it probably forever um, but in the interest of not doing that, uh, let's get into what we've been playing this week. Uh, 
So I've been playing Advance Wars, the Game Boy Advance game, but I've been playing it on my Wii U, mm-hmm. which brings me to an email uh, sent to us from Jason Brown. Um, he writes, hello, NCS. The 3DS eShop may not take money in Europe or possibly California, but it still works just fine in Arkansas. I bought the second and third Box Boy games yesterday using my debit card. No problems. Um, thanks, Jason. Uh, so this is interesting because I was also able to purchase um, Advance Wars this last week using my credit card on the Wii U eShop. Is this a stealth debug? It's a stealth debug, yeah. Um, and it, it was such such a, like, wait a minute, really? That I went on to the Wii U eShop um, and discovered that, yeah, it's taking credit cards just fine. Interesting. I think this may be a European thing that we picked up on mm. um, and then have repeated. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, you can continue to buy 3DS and uh, Wii U games uh, in Arkansas and California, at least, <laughs> but probably the rest of the states, too. That's interesting. That's really cool. Pocket card jockey became more accessible than ever. That's right. What a wonderful game. I'm enjoying Advance Wars, by the way. Um, it is. Uh, I'm so used to the like Fire Emblem style of of game where um, you don't want any of your units to die, and they all have like individual uh, like characteristics and everything. Um, whereas Advance Wars is built like every mission is built on the idea that like you're going to lose half of these units. Um, and that's just what it takes in order to like mm-hmm. distract the enemy or whatever. Um, so that's been a little bit of an emotional adjustment for me, uh, but uh, I'm I'm enjoying it quite a bit. So I've really been enjoying this kind of lull in new games. Right, it's in, great. Yeah, I've just kind of been like luxuriating in the fact that I don't feel stressed to like play anything. So I've actually returned to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, mm. and because I had forgotten that I had not gotten three stars on every cup in all of the different uh like cc's yeah so i've just been kind of like slowly making my way doing that yeah it's kind of like not at, i think part of the reason i didn't do it initially is like it's not super fun to do it for like the 100 cc or the 50 cc yeah the slower ones are really a slog and it there's no uh like i guess you're unlocking like coins to get parts right um but like that's you know you find a cart that you like and you just stick with it yeah i'm really just doing it for me at this point right exactly but i've got but i've enjoyed that it's also been a while since i've gone back to mario kart 8 deluxe and like really played through the different cups and there are so many good tracks in there it's kind of like i know that there are some rumors that like a mario kart 9 is coming this year but mario kart 8 deluxe to me feels like uh super smash brothers ultimate where it's just like this is kind of the perfect mario kart yeah, I mean it. It uh, it certainly feels like the most feature complete Mario Kart. Um, and I almost feel like if they were to do a new one, they would have to do something different, right? Something drastic. Um, no classic tracks. Uh, you know, just 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 some just something wildly different. Um, and I don't think that's I don't think that's actually what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I don't either. I think on the successor to the Switch, there will be another version of Mario Kart, and that'll be that. Um. Do you, Mark, do you plan on attempting the three-star um, cups at 200cc? I don't know, because 200cc is just 
like at it's this a moment beast. it feels like too much it feels for me. crazy right um have you done it you've done it right i've not i've not done the the three stars in all of them i okay. have at least gold trophies in all of them um but it uh, it is really hard to uh like kind of retrain your brain to a use the break uh when you're playing the game um and b just to like uh, account for all of the extra air you get and mm-hmm. like it's it's a lot. You really need to relearn all of the tracks for 200cc. I would like to say I will attempt it, but I don't know that I'll be able to succeed. Uh, very good. All right, Mark, let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Tomorrow, February 12th, uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses, the Cinder Shadows DLC, is released for Switch. And then on Friday, February 14th, Darksiders Genesis is released for Switch. After I believe it's already been out on other platforms yeah, for a couple of months. Yeah, it has been out on other platforms. And uh, Genesis, that's the like tactics style. Yeah, kind of like, like it looks time. like Diablo. Yeah. Um, so uh, are, you, are you interested in Darksiders or should we just talk about Fire Emblem? Well, let's just talk about Fire Emblem. All right, great. Um, so... This is uh just like the last part of the uh DLC, right? That they Oh, were... is it the final part of like the season pass? I mean, what was announced along with um the Cindered Shadows is, is definitely the last of of the um like first season pass of DLC. I don't know mm-hmm. if they plan on doing a second one. I I think we have not heard anything about yeah. a second one. Um uh but yeah, this this is like the last big piece of it. Uh do you think you're going to go back in for it or I don't think so only because you have to buy all of oh, it yeah and it's 25 bucks yeah and like the 30 the other stuff i don't know all to me the um fire emblem three houses dlc has kind of felt underwhelming just like looking at the announcements yeah. where every time they come out i've been waiting for it to be a little bit bigger a little bit you know like grander than what they've been this feels definitely like the biggest thing that they've added but it's still not enough to get me to go in for thirty bucks. It's also weird because it is it is, as you say, like a big add-on, right? Like there are lots of extra missions and new characters and stuff. Um, but there are two whole arguably three whole campaigns through that game that neither of us have played yet. Mm-hmm. Um, like the game has so much to offer that it's weird that they're like, Oh yeah, we Oh yeah, uh l- let me sell you some more story content. You're like, oh geez. Right. <laughs> I'm never gonna do this. Um, all right. Well, so m- maybe uh, nothing we're going to pick up this week and we can continue our little like lull. Yeah. All right, cool. Let's close out the new releases. Now it's time for a regular segment on this show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, where a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, what are we talking about today? Today we are going to be ranking the vegetarian appetizer options mm. from the Cheesecake Factory. Great. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh-huh. When's the last time you went to Cheesecake Factory? Ooh, um, definitely within the past six months. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, do you remember there was one evening you and I tried to go to the Cheesecake Factory, but we couldn't get a table? <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> we went out back instead. <laughs> Truly a memorable evening. <laughs> uh, okay, here we go. Yeah. Uh, our options are hummus, avocado egg rolls, 
Um, pretzel. Uh, I tried writing them down. Pretzel okay. bites with cheddar cheese fondue. Okay, great. Uh, quesadilla, fried macaroni and cheese. I do not understand. I I just I that's, don't understand. That's decadent. Hot spinach and cheese dip. Mm-hmm. Um, sweet corn tamale cakes. Thai lettuce wraps. Fire roasted. Uh, artichoke cheese and artichoke maybe and then guacamole and chips so the thai lettuce wrap is that the the lettuce cup or am i thinking of i'm thinking of a different place i'm thinking of uh pf chang's uh it's a thai lettuce roll so i don't think you're wrong i think mm. it's basically the same thing okay. oh wait this does have chicken i am sorry to oh, say. oh well then it i has was been disqualified uh, yeah i was because we bamboozled are only, yep. by the lettuce um okay so uh man there are a lot of them, and I, I will confess that I do not have them all uh, held in my head at mm-hmm. the moment. That's fair. Um, so there's some kind of pretzel bite in there? Yes. There uh, is a pretzel bite with yeah. cheddar cheese. I mean, that's... Cheddar cheese fondue. Ooh. See, that's pretty great. That is pretty great. Uh, and I feel like cheese fondue doesn't get enough uh, like play right now, partially mm. because we made too much fun of it in the 1980s. I'll tell you what is low on my list is yes. fried macaroni and cheese. Why? Because I don't understand what part of it is fried. Is it just like a ball that they take like macaroni and cheese and like put it into a ball and bread it and fry that? Yes, that is exactly what it is. Um, I don't eat that. <laughs> I mean, I would eat that. I wouldn't order it. Okay. So we're saying uh, pretzel bites high. Now, um, avocado egg rolls sounds intriguing to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And also like... I mean, look, I've lived in California long enough that, like, I'm just a sucker for some avocado. Yeah, me too. What is it about living out yeah, here? I don't know. They're just so good. Fire roasted fresh artichoke. Uh, I don't, you know what? I don't need fresh artichoke. Is that, the, is that where you have to, like, kind of strip strip the leaf with, yeah, like, your teeth? Yeah. No, that it, goes at the bottom it, of the list. It also doesn't feel too very Cheesecake factory No. to me. Because you have to do a lot of work for just a little bit of artichoke. Right. And the Cheesecake Factory should be not a lot of work for too much food. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like guacamole and chips. Yes, thank you. Um. Okay, so maybe I'm just going to put up at the top. Yeah. Like sweet corn tamale cakes. Like No, I don't need that don't either. Don't care at all. Tamale cakes. Hot spinach and cheese dip. You're kind of speaking my language. Yeah. There's never enough bread in these instances or chips or whatever uh-huh. that they're having you dip them in but yeah assuming of course that i could get more pita bread right pita chips like yes. this is pretty high for me probably higher than hummus uh yeah i would agree with that the, the thing with hummus is that i never want it at a restaurant mm-hmm. um because it feels like such a home snack kind of food um that like you know hummus is the like I don't want to. I don't want to make dinner tonight. Do you? <laughs> do you want to just like put out some veggies and hummus? Like, yes. Oh my god, let's just do that. Uh-huh. Like, it is. It is a uh, a non-choice option. Yeah, it's definitely not like the beginning of a meal. No, definitely and not, not. And again, I'm not the beginning of a meal at the Cheesecake Factory. Right. Yeah. Like, well, definitely. Who not. are we fooling? Um, quesadilla. Like, w- fine, but but what's it doing uh, on that menu? Yeah, get it out of my face. Okay. Um. And then, so I think I think we've touched on all of them. Okay. So I think uh, pretzel bites with cheddar cheese fondue yeah. is pretty high. Um, hummus is kind of in the middle, probably. Yep. Avocado egg rolls. N- 
Well, oh, I guess we'll never know entirely for sure, but you get the gist. Yeah, <laughs> we 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 abouted that one. Uh, we were accompanied today by get this: Jim Carrey, Judd Apatow, Spike Jones, and Chris Smith. Where has this recording been hiding? I I don't know. It's old too. It's from uh, the press junket for Man on the Moon. <laughs> All right, Mark. Let's get into the news. So let's talk about save data for Animal Crossing New Horizons. Yes, let's do because there are some uh, wrinkles here. Mm-hmm. Some perhaps imperfect things. Perhaps some very perfect things. So the game does not support cloud save functionality. Now, becoming a little bit of a pattern that like big Nintendo games that uh, where they're concerned with any like save data integrity that they don't let you use right. um, cloud save data. They're, they're fine with you doing it with Mario Odyssey. They're fine with uh, Zelda. But like Splatoon, they're like, we don't want you to you know, cheat your way to, you know, buying the next uh, mm. paint roller or whatever. Um, ditto Pokemon. They don't want you, like, cheating uh, to trade Pokemon back and Is forth Is it safe forever. to say anything that kind of has, like, its own in-game economy? I, I mean... Because you can do it with Smash Brothers, right? Uh, yeah, I think you can do it with Smash Brothers. I think it's where there's an in-game economy that could affect another player's experience Mm -hmm. so if you can cheat uh, an economy and then be more powerful or have more options than another player that you would encounter online as you would in pokemon or as you would in splatoon um that they don't want you doing that so this you know obviously affects people who want to get new systems yes their systems are damaged you know like also if you're a two switch household yep and which is something that uh, Nintendo is kind of encouraging. Yeah, for sure. It's part of their the business Switch strategy. Yeah. But I mean, like expressly, like the Switch Lite is a good second Switch. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're, yeah, yes, exactly. So um, I guess not a surprise necessarily, a little bit of a bummer, maybe. However, they have communicated that at some point in the future, you will be able to restore saved data in case of like a broken or lost system. They haven't announced any details about when it's coming or um, like how it'll work or anything like that. But they're aware of the issue yeah. and will be working to fix it. It is weird that it implies that the cloud is backing up your save data, but they just don't let you access it. Right. Or maybe uh, like they're just going to figure out a way for you to transfer it from your system. But I mean, there's supposed to be a way if it's lost or broken. Oh yeah, so good like point. if if the switch or stolen, you know. Well, maybe it's not backing it up now. Yeah, and it will only be like once this solution is implemented, then it'll be backed up to some like special cloud server. Yeah, and then you'll be able to restore it from there. I don't know. I feel like uh, I I personally am like I can live with this, uh, but I do feel yeah, like it's a trend that we've seen kind of recently, like. I feel like there was a similar thing with Super Mario Maker 2 where they were kind of surprised seemingly that people wanted to be able to play that multiplayer with their friends. And so they were like, oh, we'll, in the future, we'll like address that, which is uh, all well and good. But that took a really long time for that to become available. Yeah, and sort of flies in the face of the um like young new nintendo that we keep talking about of like oh yeah here are these uh you know the the developers that grew up playing nintendo and you know they they have all this 
all these modern ideas about what makes these games great and what makes gaming great um and that they're still like missing a couple steps here and there it's very odd yeah um additionally each nintendo switch console can only create one island for all users to play on yeah so uh if you have multiple users on a system everybody will play on the same island in the game uh each user won't get their own island which is uh that's like consistent with the older console versions of the game right that like in the GameCube version, you started a village, and if you and your friend are both playing the game, um, you are like actively in the same village. Is this also a, you know, like way to prevent people from like breaking the economy of the game? Because you could have multiple islands. Oh and yeah, then that's a good point. You'd be able to just like visit each other and yeah, you know, like gather resources that way, or like visit yourself on a fake second profile, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I wonder if that is the reasoning behind it. Again, I totally understand why people in certain, like, in households with a lot of people who are excited about this game, who are sharing a Switch, where this would be kind of uh, not the optimal experience. Um, so I, I get why people would not be thrilled with this. Yeah. Um, I, I do think there is something, like, fun and sort of, like, uh, romantically restricting about uh, having one island per console that like if both Sarah and I are going to play Animal Crossing and I'm going to try I'm going to really try to get her uh, to, to play as well um, I like the idea that well we have separate games and separate villagers and separate like little journeys that we're on that we're both doing it on the same island yeah like there, there's something that I do like about that I think so too like I like the uh kind of like asynchronous multiplayer yeah. aspect. I mean, you can do a similar thing in um, uh, Stardew Valley yeah. with this new multiplayer, right? Where like everybody is sharing the same space. And if you are a fan of like co-op gaming, right? Like that's a fun way to experience something. Yeah. It's like you're all working towards the same goals on this island and you're cultivating that together. Yeah, and especially something like Animal Crossing that's such like a, a low impact kind of game that like who you it's still co-op even if you're not playing at the same time. Well, it's all about like community and yeah. like building that community and so taking turns, right? Just yeah. like cultivating those relationships and planting flowers and like doing all that kind of stuff. Like I wonder if you contribute to the same museum. Yeah. Right? Like all like all of that. I don't know, there is something very appealing yeah. to me. There's something very appealing about turning your SO into just another villager. <laughs> uh, last week, we talked about the wonderful 101's Kickstarter campaign to bring the game to the Switch and to other platforms um, outside of the Wii U. The Kickstarter has surpassed $1.5 million as of right now. Remember, its original goal was a mere 50000 and again, I think that 50000 was like a fake number. For sure. It was always going to come to Switch. Yeah. Um, but because they hit the $1.5 stretch goal, that means that Luca's first mission, uh, which is described as a brand new 2D side-scrolling adventure starring a young hero, will be included with the game. Or actually, I guess will probably be coming later. Sure. Yeah, I guess that that isn't clear. Uh, what what when it'll come about, or like where they're taking their cues from? Right. Like, is this a platform? What what is this that they're like? Hey, we'll make a new game if you. I pay know. Us I money. wonder if it's like 
Uh, and I'm totally just making this up at this point, but I wonder if it'll be like in the style of Beautiful Joe or not in the style, but like that sort of gameplay. I mean, it's bound to at least sort of look like it because uh, Wonderful 101 sort of looks like <laughs> right. Beautiful yeah, Joe. Yeah, maybe that's why it's stuck in my head. Yeah. Um, And there's still like three more weeks left in the Kickstarter. So much time left. So it's entirely possible that uh, other stretch goals will be hit at one 0.75 million it gets a remix soundtrack with quote a secret special guest and then at 2 million lucas second mission a sequel to the aforementioned lucas first mission will also be funded so here we go we're in a new era where people are really interested in the one wonderful 101 <laughs> so much so that platinum is threatening to make two spin-off <laughs> games what is happening uh, what universe is this Mark? i can't remember if we talked about this last week but one of my favorite things about the kickstarter is that one of the rewards and it's an optional reward is that you can be blocked on twitter by hideki uh kamiya amazing who he has a reputation for just like indiscriminately blocking people on twitter if they annoy him and a lot of people annoy him on twitter so many people annoy him and it's it's usually something just like they're tweeting about something that like is related to him, but it's not like a conversation with him. A writer like ask asking if like Beautiful Joe will be in Smash or something. Yeah, or or like they're like bring uh probably like this like bring Wonderful One Hundred One to Nintendo to like Switch, and he's like that's a Nintendo like you have to go talk to them blocked. blocked. <laughs> and then you know like months later, their friends will uh at him on Twitter and be like. Uh, my friend is a really big fan, and he didn't mean to offend you, and he would love if he unblock you, if you would unblock him, and then, like, he unblocks them for a while. Anyways, if you want to be ceremoniously blocked by him, uh, you can pay to do so, but it's optional. They stress that. It's, it's amazing. I love that uh, he's uh, self-aware enough to be like, oh, yeah, it's really funny when I block people. <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe they like it. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. I love it. Um, in his column in Famitsu, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate producer Masahiro Sakurai sort of indicated that he believes that there are too many Fire Emblem characters and too many sword users in the game. Uh, yeah, and again, let, like, let's really double down, because I've been seeing a lot of uh, outlets running with uh, Masahiro Sakurai says there are too many Fire Emblem characters in Smash Brothers. He does technically say that, but it all seems very like conciliatory to me. Right. Um, like the the tone in the column. First of all, the the column was about Byleth uh, being added as as a character, um, and uh, so he he does start the conversation by saying there are too many Smash characters, um, but they it's really in a like let's get this out of the way so we can just talk about the character, um, sort of like addressing the elephant in the room, which to me doesn't necessarily indicate that he's like you know mad about it right that he's like yeah i really agree with you guys wish we wouldn't have had to do this um and then uh on, on the subject of the uh sword users um you know he brought up that the hero's relics uh were like a, a workaround um to the sword fighter problem which uh is totally true like playing byleth uh doesn't feel like playing the rest of the the sword characters and not like the rest of the uh, Fire Emblem characters with like the um, counter attack and, and all that sort of stuff just uh, feels like a different character. Uh, also, the column does indicate that Sakurai prefers to add characters with a lot of history to them. So adding a character that was so new like Byleth doesn't exactly l- align with his personal taste, but that Nintendo's the one who makes the decisions on the characters and he just executes them. 
Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm sure there is some truth to the fact that if he was given an, uh, a choice to pick any character to add, Byleth probably wouldn't have been on that list. But like, is also just I don't think it, it, it's not the like slam dunk, uh, like burn on uh, Fire Emblem that people think it is. Yeah, I completely agree. Atlas conducts an annual online survey of its Japanese customer base. And the 2020 version included a question that has Persona fans excited for possible Switch ports. Possible. Uh, The question asked which Atlas games users would be interested in seeing ported to Switch. And the list included Personas uh, 1 through 5 and the special versions. Shigen, Shin Megami Tensei, 3, 4, and 4 Apocalypse. Mm -hmm. Etrian Odyssey, 13 Sentinels. Which is a game I am not familiar with at all. Yeah, me neither. Persona Q, Catherine Fullbody, and others. Uh, so, just a survey, right? Like, companies put out surveys uh, all the time to try and figure out what people are interested in. It doesn't necessarily indicate that they are going to uh, take any action based on uh, these those specific answers um, or those specific options. I also don't think that, it, like, the that they will be surprised to know that people want pretty much all of these games on Switch. Yeah, well, like, I, I wonder... It's strange, right? Because, um, like, I only really hear people uh, interested in the Persona games, um, like, from, from the Atlas catalog. I, I would like to play uh, Catherine, the new version of Catherine, on, uh, on Switch. Um, but, like, you know, I'm not really interested in, like, revisiting or visiting uh, earlier games in the Shimigami Tensei series or like I don't want to play Persona Q right you know like, Shimigami Tensei 5 was announced for Switch way back yeah. I think it's the like January 2017 event we haven't seen really anything from it since then we just know that it's still under development yeah um one thing I do think is interesting in some of these games in fact a lot of these games uh when they did show up on Nintendo platforms they were 3DS games yeah because Atlas, you know, hasn't really supported Nintendo home consoles, but they have had a lot of support for their handhelds over the years. And so it does make a certain amount of sense to me that Atlas would support the Switch with something because more than we've see seen it so as far. The handheld. Yeah. Um, I, you know, like, I don't think Persona 5 is going to make its way to Switch. We've talked about before, and I agree with you that I think it's pretty much on PlayStation. But, you know, Persona 4 Golden, like, those types of things. Or Persona 3. Yeah, yeah like, um, that to me makes a ton of sense. Yeah, it, that, that makes a lot of sense to me as well. And I think that, uh, you know, we were uh, chatting with someone on Twitter about this earlier this week. Um, but, like, it's crazy that Persona 4 Golden was trapped on Vita. Um, with, the Vita didn't even sell as well as the Wii U. Right. Like, it's, it's basically the same... Um, it's the same sort of thing of like that has such a small uh, player base to draw from um, that bringing it even a, a game that's now you know 15 years old um, would really be like valuable on uh, Switch. I also have some vague whispers <gasps> of a whispers. memory that Etrian Odyssey has been announced for Switch, but Look, this may be a no like, way to know. I know because it's like this may be one of those gonna boot up my 3ds and be able to pay with a debit card <laughs> type situations where right. i don't even know what's true anymore that's right but 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 we will investigate anything that doesn't feel true <laughs> enough 
yeah, there's definitely a barometer. Like, there's a tipping point yeah. where we will and won't investigate. And it's hazy, it, for yeah, sure. It is hazy, and our investigatory skills are wanting. <laughs> um, but, uh, for example, there was a rumor going around that, uh, or I guess a, a story that I did not include in this news lineup, um, about Imran Khan at one point having like knowledge about uh, Nintendo trying to put Sora from uh, Kingdom oh, Hearts in right. Smash. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 totally unsubstantiated stuff, and it, just what he was talking about on a podcast. So like, who we who look? I'm saying we do throw up some sort of smokescreen uh, and then drop the half non news uh, in the episode anyway. Let's well, move on. Okay. <laughs> Well, here's something that we talked about, I think, last week or two weeks ago. And it was that in Japan, Nintendo was ending um, the Wii repair program. Yes. Because they were like worried about scarcity of parts and how expensive they were getting. Well, it was uh, scheduled to end at the end of March. But they had to end it early because after they made that announcement, they got a flood of Wii's sent into them oh, for no. repairs. And so they were like, oh no, like we don't even have, uh, we're not even sure we have enough to take care of these people. Yeah. So if you live in Japan or you, you wanted to send your Wii to Nintendo of Japan to have it serviced, I think you're you entirely can't. out of luck now. Wow. Also last week, we talked about Obsidian's The Outer Worlds getting a release date on Switch. However, it appears as though the port has already been delayed. Um, Virtuos, which is the studio responsible for the f- rep- for the port, has evidently been impacted by the coronavirus. Mm. So their main office is in Shanghai, and then they have other offices throughout China. And so uh, they've been given more time to complete their work on the finished product. There's no new release date yet. Um, all right. Uh, interesting and uh, interesting that there is no new release date. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, sad that they're impacted by uh, coronavirus. Yeah, I think also, like, it makes sense to me that there is no release date because work has probably just, like, stopped. Yeah. For the most part, if not entirely. And uh, I think for a lot of people in China, like, it is a big question mark as to when they will return to work. Yeah. So I don't know that you can pin a date on it. Like, Nintendo has said that outside of like um switch shipments to Europe and the United States won't be affected by it but shipments to Japan will potentially be affected by it just because a lot of the factories there are all in China are also closed. Yeah, I mean it's a huge uh, global concern. Right. It's going to affect your video games a little bit. Small price to pay for yeah. people's health and happiness. Um one thing that is changing because of the delayed release date is that uh the physical game if you buy the physical like box in stores, it will include the game on a game cart. Yes. Um, whereas before the delay, it was just going to be a code in the box. Right. Which means, of course, that everything we said about this game last week <laughs> is now no longer accurate. Right. This is, again, this is how we're a good source of news, right? <laughs> in that we are correcting ourselves when we are wrong. Although technically, yeah, we weren't wrong. We weren't wrong, right, at the time, right. But we are uh, updating with the latest information. That's right. Um, but since the Outer Worlds is no longer coming out on March sixth, that means we'll have all the time in the world to play Murder by Numbers. Yep. Which now has a release date of March fifth. 
on Switch. Uh, Murder by Numbers, if anyone has forgotten, is this Picross-based murder mystery visual novel set in old Hollywood. With like art by one of the artists of the Ace Attorney series. And the music by an Ace Attorney guy, Oh, is right? it? Or I maybe, think it might be yeah. music, yeah. Okay, there you go. Checking all the boxes. Look, yeah, it's a, this is a game made for a composite person that is 50% Mark <laughs> and 50% Patrick. Yeah, like um, whatever those gross hairy things were in Bill and Ted's bogus journey station that they smashed called station (laughs) they smashed into each other at the end to form one like giant malformed chicken nugget hairy type thing yes if you and i were somehow able to do that that being would love murder by numbers i think we'll just have to play it together i think so too okay and uh finally a double dragon kunio kun collection has been announced for switch that's releasing on February 20th. Which is very soon. I just want to jump and point out February 20th is very soon. Very soon. Uh, the collection is called Double Dragon and Kunio Kun Retro Brawler Bundle. Great name. And includes 18 games, all with online co-op and competitive play. Includes Double Dragon 1, 2, and 3. Um, looks like the NES versions, not the arcade versions. Uh, and I, I wasn't able to confirm that, but the uh, the box art is always um, like the boxes oh, for, gotcha. for the NES and not, uh, uh, you know, whatever would have been on the arcade cabinets. Also, Renegade, Super Dodgeball, River City Ransom, and Crashin' the Boys Street Challenge. Crashin' the Boys! Um, uh, so, the, uh, the, the just to set this aside, so far... Uh, you have listed the names of seven NES games that are all like fun brawlers and also Super Dodgeball is on there as well. Um, but like games that are uh, Nintendo classics that uh, a lot of people have uh, an affinity for. I myself uh, really like the, the Kunio Kun games. Um, not the Double Dragon games as much. I feel like they're a little bit, they're too like heavy or something um, or like clumsy. Uh, but Kunio Kun is great. The best part, though, is yet to come. That's right, because there are 11 other Kunio Kun games that came to the Famicom but were never localized outside of Japan previously. Uh, 11! Mark, 11 more games. That is a true, like, wealth of games. Um, would you like to read some of the fun names of these games? Yes, I think we should. Um, okay. Uh, so, um, do 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 uh fun fun names include uh high school dodgeball club soccer story is that a dodgeball game or a a a soccer game march super awesome field day uh (laughs) kunio kun uh, downtown special kunio kun's historical period drama that i genuinely (laughs) want to play that sounds amazing surprise uh nakutsu new records the distant gold medal um, and of course, uh, Nakutsu Street Basketball All Out Dunk Heroes. All of those sound great. I mean, this this is incredible. <laughs> I can't wait to play all of these games. Uh, I'm 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 100. This is a day one, like not a second thought purchase for me. And you don't have to wait that long. No, it's true. I do not. All right, Mark. Let's get out of the news. Oh. 
Okay, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter. That sort of thing helps us out a bunch, and we love when you do it. Um, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. You can also check out our Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8-Bit Betty. You can get more of his music by going to 8bitbetty.com or by listening right now. From my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying Super Slam Dunk Club. And thank you for listening. Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer... Riley Bray. We make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right. Every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect's Anna Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with drills for hands or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, it happens all the time, then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Bigfoot, Bigfoot Collectors Club, you're, you're here to, to believe us. Wait, is that how it goes? Campfire.